0: If you want more from Dee and her sister and partner in crime, Rhonda, check out Switchblade Sisters Social Club, a true crime podcast where two sisters exploit their worst fears for your entertainment. You're welcome! This is the We Know The Moon podcast, where we love all things empath, spiritual, witchy, unexplained, and spooky. Hosted by me, Dee Safier, co-founder of the goddess Temple Twickenham, and joined by lots of special guests. and this is Michelle and this is We Knew the Moon, a podcast where we like all things spooky, witchy, woo-woo, unexplained, curious, all of that sort of stuff and we are joined again by Michelle. Michelle was with us last week when we talked about the elements and elementals and this week Michelle is presenting a topic to me and I'm so excited because this one we've been talking about it for ages haven't we?
1: We have, it's come up a few times hasn't
0: it? Yeah, It came up, I think one of us shared an article with the other, and I don't remember who did what. There was an article about it, we shared it, and we were like, ooh, this would be such a good podcast topic. And so today is the day
1: that we record it. So over to you, Michelle. Okay, well, today, Dee, I'm going to be telling you the story of Trasmos. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be telling you the story of a tiny village nestled at the foothills of the Moncayo mountain range in the territory of Aragon which is in the northeast of what would today be um, mainland Spain. So this village, this Trasmus village, its history can be traced right back to the 12th century, though it did exist prior to that. People did live there before that. Sorry, and I just realised Catherine of Aragon. That's the one, Catherine of Aragon. She was actually from the, the royal family of Aragon which is in what would now be mainland Spain. I don't think it was called that at the time. It would just be the area of Aragon itself. And it was the seat of a royal family. Now, today, this village is quite famous. And you might have seen it on the news. And like I said, like we just said, Dee, you shared, or one of us shared the story that was in the news about this village. It's known affectionately by its residents by calling itself the Witch Village of Trasmos. Cute!
0: That makes me want to go to there,
1: right? <laughs> you, you will, honestly, when I've told you... Field the story, trip! We're, we're, we're going. It's a All field right. trip. Okay. Although the name gives you a massive clue as to some of the dark history of the village, I did use the words affectionately known as, and that's for a really good reason. And the reason, in fact, that the village is still so famous today because unlike many other villages and towns across Europe that were scourged by the evil and ignorance of the witch-hunting times, this particular village and its residents went down in history for their very different response to the label of witch village. They, in fact, embraced the actual title of witch village and still do today. Now, don't get me wrong, they definitely suffered, through the witch hunting times and I will tell you a little bit more about that later but the story of Trasmos isn't just about that terror it's so much more and it's such an interesting story so I'm going to tell you that today. Now the story begins like I said in the 12th century when the lordship of Trasmos was founded. This basically meant that a lord either claimed or was given an area and its people and all the resources in it by... As they did. <laughs> as they did by royalty of the time. So the royal family of Aragon assigned Trasmos, which was it, within this area, to this feudal lord who had control over it and the residents as well. Now, at the time, Trasmus was actually a really well-situated and well-resourced village, It had a thriving community. It had iron and silver mines. It had plenty of wood and water reserves. Basically, it was doing all right. It it wasn't particularly wealthy, but it was doing all right. It had enough. It had enough people to work. It had enough resources to live. It had enough surplus for trade. It was basically a really good place to have been assigned for this feudal lord. And at the time, the population was around 10,000 souls. That's Mm. quite a large village, isn't it? Yeah. And it was made up of a, a mixed community. So there were Christians that lived there. There were Jewish people that lived there, and there were also Arabs that lived there. So we're not just talking about different cultures. We're talking about different religions being represented just in that one village as well. That sounds lovely. We love multicultural areas. It was multicultural. And from what I've read and found out, it would appear that it was peaceful. They they lived side by side and they just... Is this heaven lived. on earth? Well, it, I don't know, possibly. But I think what had happened to the area that we now call Spain is it had been invaded and taken over and ruled by different communities from around the world that, that often were representative of those religions throughout time so this village was really a a melting pot of a lot of the things that had happened in that area over the last 700 years and from what i could read like i said it was it was peaceful they lived alongside each other with little problem but now much of the other parts of the land of spain were owned and controlled by the catholic church but not trasmus Mm. trasmus was was owned by the feudal lord and overseen by the royal family of Aragon. But the Catholic Church was making headway not just across other parts of Europe, but quite quite stridently across areas of Spain. And they were wanting to collect monies, taxes from the places that they took over and wanted to rule themselves. And so rules were very different when the Catholics did take over, but Trasmus was a lay territory. Like we said, it was ruled by a powerful fiefdom, which basically meant that it couldn't be touched by the church. The church had no jurisdiction over Trasmos village, and it couldn't collect the taxes, even if it wanted to. And it tried. Many and that t-
0: Lord was not going to be keen on it because they, no. they're going to want their tenants to be giving them the taxes, right?
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to come on to that a little bit more. Um, later. Now, another key feature of this Trasmos area, this Trasmos village, was a castle that was just outside the village on the hill, and it was called Trasmos Castle. Um, Impressive and much fought over fortress. So it swapped hands many times over those 700 years. But at the time that we're talking about, when the story begins, it belonged to the province of Aragon. It belonged to the to the fiefdom it belonged to overseen by the royal family it did not it was not owned by the catholic church and they have no jurisdiction over that either so to recap we've got the village of trasmus and the castle and the surrounding area with all the plentiful supplies of wood and water iron and silver and they were not part of the catholic church's property portfolio at the time and the church was not happy about this they were becoming increasingly ambitious in their property plans, in wanting to extend their branches out to cover the whole of Spain. But there were still these little pockets left. In 1255, the Catholic Church demanded that the village of Trasmos must pay the Catholic Church for it's wood supplies, it must pay tax on them. They said, look, you've got all these resources, you're making money hand over fist here, you must pay us the tax, okay? Now, wood, it, nowadays, we know wood is crucial for lots of things, but then it was absolutely for everything. It was for cooking, it was for building, it was for heating, it was for making all, you know, life itself, you couldn't do it without it. What was their justification they just thought, they thought that as a lot of religious, you know, things do, that they were entitled to take and to oversee and that God was on their side, etc., etc. That's
0: like me saying, oh, for no reason, but you need to give me a commission on all of your artwork.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's like looking at a little village, it's doing well. And they're going, well, I think you should let me have a piece of that, actually, because You know we're the church this is what occurred and so the church trying to sort of put pressure on this village to pay its tax but unfortunately for the church the village and the people and and the lord oversaw it they refused they they just thought well we're not under the jurisdiction of the catholic church and you know we've we don't even have all christians in this village what are you talking about this jewish community there's a, um, an arab community as well what are you talking about <laughs> you so know? a giant
0: fuck you church
1: uh, absolutely Good. so they basically said no they basically said do one we're not paying you the tax so the church's response to this was to begin excommunicating the village now i don't know whether you know what that me no i do
0: being such a good catholic girl
1: (laughs) they basically started to excommunicate a village that didn't actually contain many christians anywhere which didn't make any
0: sense clearly didn't think clearly didn't care what the church thought so basically to excommunicate someone means to like expel them from the church means they're no longer christian and they can't go to heaven which obviously if you care, if you're a Christian, you will care about that. Yeah. If you don't care what the church thinks, if you don't think of them as the power that brings you closer to God, Mm -hmm. which clearly they were like, well, we can, we have our own route to God, you know, either because we're, we're not even Christian, or because we don't think that you, the church, trying to get money out of us is the way that's going to get us to, you know, where we want to be spiritually. So I can't imagine that bothered them too much it didn't (laughs) yeah surprise surprise (laughs) it's like if someone came up to us and was like we're going to excommunicate you from the catholic church we'd both be like great badge of honor to be honest
1: (laughs) well exactly and that's sort of where it got to they were like yeah whatever all right i mean half of us most of us are not even christian anyway so yeah whatever crack on so yeah basically the catholic church then officially excommunicated this village and all its people saying that like you said that they weren't part of the church well some of them weren't anyway but but if you are you're not going to heaven because this is it's not just where you're on earth is it it's it's forever in in every realm I wonder if this
0: is the only example of, or if there's other examples of a whole place being excommunicated.
1: I think there are, but this village is quite unique because they didn't just get excommunicated, as I'm going to go on to tell you. It went further than even that. Okay, so Mm -hmm. they, they refused to sort of beg forgiveness or pay the taxes or were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, so this dispute apparently went on for many, many years with the the village and the church with you know an acrimonious relationship for many years and Trasmos became known as the village that had been excommunicated a village that was now supposedly filled with all these ungodly people who were never going to go to heaven okay and the church sort of viewed them and talked about them and labeled this village as full of dark forces in league with evil and filled with people who didn't deserve to go to heaven so
0: okay. using them as like an example probably because yes. I'm, I'm presuming if you excommunicate the whole village you're kind of relinquishing any claim to them because you kick them out officially well, yeah you think so oh right <laughs> sorry I forgot about the hypocrisy of the catholic church carry on <laughs> <laughs>
1: So. so this state went on for some time, OK, of them being excommunicated in the village, not caring. And then during the 13th century, remember, we talked about the there was the castle on the hill. During this time, it said that the occupants of the nearby Trasmos castle were using the building to forge their own fake coins. So not ones that were officially used by of wider people but to make their own coins and they were using their own silver supplies that we said were plentiful to do this now as you know when you make anything out of silver it's noisy it's clattery it's smelly it really is a really smelly and to prevent knowledge of this sort of being aware of in the wider community the village decided to use its its reputation basically as a screen, a smoke screen, to disguise what they were actually doing. So the village itself put out rumours that spread well beyond the village into the other local areas that the castle was haunted. It was full of witches doing spells, stirring the cauldrons, making potions. That's what the smell was. That's so funny. Okay, so (laughs) they said, well... You know, you've said that we're evil and we're full of evil spirits and dark forces. Okay, we'll run with that. Okay, we'll use that. So we'll tell everybody that actually that must be what you can hear. That must be what you can smell.
0: I am loving this village. These villagers are so spunky. I love it.
1: These rumours that they were spreading themselves became really well known. And the Catholic Church was like, yeah, we told you. We told you, didn't we? We told you they were evil. Because it's full of witches. It's full of all sorts of bad people, this village. I mean, we were right. We excommunicated them just in time. It is so funny. And obviously, it worked so well that it really helped this forgery of coin business to, to do really well at the castle. Because nobody came by and everybody thought, well, that's what it we is. is. We'll, we'll stay clear of that. Now I'm laughing and it's and it's funny in into a certain extent, but you you know and I know now that actually when you put those kind of things out there in the world, you're almost inviting at that time, we're talking about the Middle Ages, aren't we? You're almost inviting the next thing that you know is going to be coming after that because they're excommunicated, they're actually willfully themselves saying that they're full of witches and dark forces so we do know what might occur after. In the meantime in 1478 Spain began a process of what was called unification where royalty and the Catholic Church were going to come together and share power and share the land so prior to that, like we said, the royalty owned some areas and the Catholic church owned others. And I'm sure you've heard of this, but the Spanish Inquisition yeah. was established. This was with the intention of actually making sure this occurred. So it was a judicial institution and a cruel one at that that was to manage the process and rid Spain of the factors that didn't fit with this new Holy Order. Basically, a witch hunt. Basically, but before the witches. So, this was commissioned initially and headed by the Catholic monarchs, the King Ferdinand II of Aragon and Queen Isabella I of Castile, another area that was basically royally operated at the time, and then overrun by the Catholic Church. So, they were working together. Now, originally, the purpose of the Spanish Inquisition was to ensure that those who did willingly convert to catholicism did it properly that they were baptized properly and that those people that either weren't baptized refused to baptize they were expelled or basically murdered and they didn't start with witches they started with the non-christian populations yeah so now as we know Trasmos had a mixed population and it had Jewish and um, Muslim members and it had Christians, although they were excommunicated Christians, basically. And in 1498, that's about 20 years after the Spanish Inquisition began, Trasmos was forcibly cleared first of its Jewish population and then not long after of its Muslim population, reducing the population from where it began in 10,000 Down to just a few hundred.
0: Oof.
1: Oof, absolutely. So I think what we can assume there is that either the Jewish and Muslim people didn't want to be baptized or that they were given no choice. They were, it usually included arrest, horrific torture, and cruel death, which included burning at the stake of those that refused to tow the line, basically.
0: That's
1: awful. Yeah, absolutely. And so this village went from a thriving community of tens of thousands to basically just a shattered community of just a few hundred people left. And I can only assume that those were supposedly excommunicated Christians that were left. So they're they're now lacking in manpower they haven't got enough manpower, basically, to keep this village going. So it becomes an empty shell of a village. It doesn't stop there. Over the next few decades, the village suffers famines and disease and fires. It's not a
0: surprise because they don't have anyone to run their agriculture, their business, their services.
1: No, they didn't. So really, I would have thought just the loss of all of those people and the shattering of those communities left that village in a state of absolute non-operational, which obviously, as you know, would then lead to disease and not being able to take care of who was left. Now, during this time and possibly again as part of the seeming ongoing persecution of this village, the water supply the village previously enjoyed was diverted by the local Catholic monastery away from the village. That's just evil. That's basically Tant about to murder. Yeah, I'm assuming they just wanted to finish this, finish off the village, take the resources that are there to redirect them to other places. Possibly, we know that lots of monasteries used a, a massive water supplies, didn't they, to make their own beers and wines and things like that? They possibly needed those. I mean, this village at this point is under siege. It's been under siege now for hundreds of years because basically they didn't want to be Catholic. Now, previously, the monastery had paid the village for using its share of the water. And obviously, they decided that they didn't want to do that anymore. But in response, that still the Lord of Trasmos, who was there still at the time, he, he wasn't having any of this, and he decided to take up arms against the monastery. And actually, the king sided with the village, basically told the Catholic Church to stop it that they were in the wrong. They came down actually on the side of what remained of this poor village. And this pissed off the Catholic Church even more. So we talked about them being excommunicated. They've decimated the population. They've taken their water. And now the Catholic Church have said, right, that's it now. We're going to get out of the really big cannons. We're going to actually, this time, we're going to get out psalm 108 psalm of david and we're going to actually curse this village for all time
0: well it's a bit witchy of the catholic church i've written
1: that here sounds like witchcraft to me Right?
0: (laughs) again the hypocrisy of the catholic church in the middle ages well done
1: absolutely so in 1511 the abbot of the monastery was charged with doing this so basically he took the cross from the church covered in a black cloth and a bell and his bible and he at night he went to trasmus village what was left of it the poor thing and he walked up and down the streets reading the psalm of david which is known as the catholic curse psalm 108 i can read it to you if you like yeah please tell me it starts like what you think is nice and then it gets really narcissistic and nasty by the end okay so this is psalm 108 so just imagine the fellow is walking through the streets he's ringing his bell he's got his cross he's making sure everybody can hear that's left in the village and he says my heart is steadfast O oh god i will sing and make music with all my soul awake harp and lyre i will awaken the dawn I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph I will parcel out Shesham and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah, my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I toss my sandal. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? It is not you, O God, you who have rejected us and longer go out with our armies. Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory, and we will trample down our enemies. That took a turn. It It escalated quickly. It went from saying God was good to God doesn't help. So very strange. Very weird. I don't
0: know enough about all of those biblical terms to fully understand it. But yeah, it started off like your typical Bible reading.
1: Yeah. And then went dark. And then went a little weird. So very strange, but then so we are. This village is now excommunicated and now it's cursed for all time. And apparently this is considered the worst thing you can do, that curse there. Mm. So this, this village is now in this state and it's said that only the Pope can lift this curse and no Pope since has actually offered to do so. Who so would still cursed. It's still cursed, but neither has the village asked for the curse to be lifted. They probably still don't give two shits, do they? They do not. They do not, apparently. They didn't then, and I don't think they do now, because I'll tell you about that in a minute. So here we are then, the village is excommunicated and cursed, and then the witch trials begin to sweep across Europe. And Trasmos is obviously a place that's going to get looked at because it's clearly got all of these evil people in it that are left, well, the few that are left now. As before, when the Spanish Inquisition rounded up the Jewish and Muslim members of the community, they did the same with perceived witches, and many were rounded up, tortured and murdered on trumped-up charges. There are no records of how many supposed witches lost their lives, But once again, the population dropped again from from the hundreds down to the (gasps) tens. So this village was so small. Oh, my God. It's become like a hamlet. It's become like a hamlet and still is today. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Now, I don't know much about, because there wasn't a lot of paperwork and recordings about what actually occurred in Trasmos during the witch trials, but the very last witch to be murdered in Trasmos was in 1860. It's not even that long ago. 1860. And apparently the lady was called or known as Latia Casca. And she was had a reputation for being secretive and strange. I mean, if
0: that was enough to get you fucking murdered for being a witch, then...
1: Apparently... Some disease came to the village, what was left of it. Now we're talking about under 100 people now in the village. Disease came to the village and lots more people got ill and sick. And she was blamed. They said it was her. So the records show that she was murdered by being thrown down a well or down a hill. The different versions of the story. But in some of them, she's thrown down a well and left. Another she's thrown down a hill, and
0: okay, but both of those are
1: awful. Awful records differ, but both awful. Now, today in Trasmos, the castle ruins are still there. What's left after the fire, and at the bottom of next to the there is a sculpture, and it's supposed to be of this last lady who was killed. But the sculpture is the classic Halloween witch on a broomstick, oh. which for me, I'm like. Really? Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. I mean yeah so I'm not sure if that depicts and represents just the witchy theme of the village or whether they thought the woman really was some sort of cackling hag but a little bit tactless, isn't it? A little bit tactless. So today like I said the castle ruins are still there and there's this sculpture and the village is still there, but it's got no school, it's got no shops, and it's just got one bar.
0: That's enough for me.
1: <laughs> i yeah, no, I was thinking that. I thought that'll do. Does it serve food? It's, uh, I don't know if it serves food, but it sells local honey and marmalade that the village Ooh. makes itself. So that, we could eat that, day. Yeah. What's it's the dead? bar called? I don't know. I do not know. You'd have to look that up. It's Trasmos, so... T-R-A-S-M-O-Z, Trasmos. And today, there are only 62 residents of the village. I mean, this won't surprise you, but it's called Bar Trasmos. Is it? Bar Trasmos. There you go. So today, there are only 62 souls that live in the village, and some of them don't live there year round. But at least 20 of them are self-identifying witches or pagans. And today the village is sort of, as it was then anyway, reclaimed. They they own it. They own the reputation. That's a third of the residents, you know, they say that they are witches or pagans. And the village itself celebrates the, the pagan year. So there's lots of celebrations throughout the year. But today, the event the village is most famous for takes place on July the 17th, just before the summer solstice, every year. And it's called, excuse my Spanish pronunciation on this one, Feria de Bruería y Magica, or the Fair of Witchcraft and Magic. Well,
0: I know what we're doing July 17th next year.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a plan, doesn't it? Do you want to? Yeah. But do you know what? We might have to book up for like three years in advance because apparently... There ain't a lot of, like, um, accommodation in the area and they're booked up for years ahead because this festival attracts from, imagine, 62 people live there, thousands descend on Trasmos in July. It's just to see amazing. This, it is. And it's, it's actually what it's known for today and it embraces that. And that's the thing that brings in the most revenue through the year. So... It has a bustling and popular market and it sells lotions and potions that are made with the plants from um, the mountains around. They're apparently, there's lots of healing and hallucinogenic herbs and plants that grow in the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. And they use those to make these potions that they sell. And there's loads of stalls with pagan and witchy items and gifts. But the main part is that actors reenact the whole of the, the history, they reenact the, the Catholic curse, they reenact the rounding up of the witches, and but they do it tongue-in-cheek and they, they own it and they laugh at it. And there's a main event, Dee, where one resident is chosen each year to be the Witch of the Year, the bruya del Año. So they choose one resident to be Witch of the Year. Oh, wow, the honour that must be they do they get paraded through the streets and everybody gets to see they get a little plaque on their door in the village for the rest of the year you get like see, it was your house it'd be like d which of the year on your door mm-hmm. and they do this every year so there's a different a different person becomes witch of the year and it's an honor it's it's the biggest yes. honor i mean if they did this in twickenham and
0: i ever became witch of the year in twickenham i would be Ecstatic. That would be the best year of my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just one little part of the ongoing defiance. They're like, yep, we're the villagers excommunicated and cursed. Come on in, buy our lotions and meet the witch of the year. Here she is. I love it. (laughs) And apparently, there's also a little museum to visit, and it's in sort of the basement of the castle. They've got a museum of witchcraft, the Musea de la Bruería, and it's got Lots, it tells a story again of the history of the village, but it's got lots of witchcraft paraphernalia, apparently broomsticks and cauldrons and dried herbs and lots of lovely stuff to look at. Yeah, we could go see the museum and then we could go in the bar and eat the honey and the marmalade. Mm-hmm.
0: Then do some of the shopping at the pagan stalls and then take some of the
1: hallucinogenics. And knock on the door of the witch. Oh, we would need to meet the witch of the year. I was going to say, I bet, I bet they have constantly got their dog getting knocked yeah. on. Us. They've got the label. At the very least, have a drink with one
0: of the previous Witches of the Year and just ask them, How was your year as Witch of the Year? What did it
1: involve? Well, you're funny you should say that because the museum is run by one of the ladies who was Witch of the Year. So she's called Lola Ruiz Diaz, I think. Her Lola. Name is, yeah, Lola. So I'm sorry if I said that wrong, Lola, the rest of it. But this lady was with the Year. She now runs the museum there. So you can oh. chat with her about the whole totally thing. Totally chatting with her. I, I want to find her on Facebook.
0: Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, do you know what? I never thought of doing that day. I know, but I'm I'm like a, I'm a Disney stalker online. Let's see if I can find her.
1: <laughs> Found her, lives in the cosmos, looks fabulous is she oh wow wow and she's oh wow oh Dee send me a link I've got to follow her oh my god I love her I love her there you her. go there you so she runs the museum and I'm sure she can tell you all about I add what her as a friend. Going. what if she rejects me she won't reject you Dee. I've added her witch of the year Oh, she was. I don't know if she currently is. I'm sure with such a small population, they're going to have to recycle the Witch of the Year award, aren't they? Because you've got to be a resident to be I live there, so you've got to put the black on the door, obviously. If she if she becomes your friend, I'm I'm going to request. She's going to think this is so weird. She's going to think, what is that going on today?
0: I might send her a message telling her that we're doing an episode on this so that it doesn't seem so crazy.
1: Oh, yeah, and she can correct me and my Spanish pronunciations. Oh, my God, this is amazing. I've sent you a link
0: on Facebook so you can have a look at her, but she looks so fucking awesome. Lola, we just want to be your friend.
1: Yes. We're coming to see you. We could circumnavigate the accommodation problem. Come go and stay at the castle. Yeah, stay at Lola's stay in the
0: castle or we'll bring a tent <laughs> we'll stay in the castle I would camp in the summer would you camp
1: I think you can camp in certain areas but it's kind of a reserved wildlife area now Oh
0: well we'll just have to ask if we can put up in uh, Lola's backyard <laughs> yeah I yeah. wonder if it'll help if I tell her that my French bulldog is called Lola and I love the name
1: I mean that that could work gee that could definitely work yeah
0: I would do anything for Lola to be my friend, so <laughs> I'll try everything. Oh,
1: you know, that's lovely. But I've only got one last little thing to tell you now, which is about a famous poet and author, a Spanish, and his name was Gustavo Adolfo Becker. The reason why Trasmos became known, renowned again in current times was because of this author. Apparently, he got quite poorly with TB and he went to go and stay, you know, like they used to do to get take the air, take Mm -hmm. some fresh air. So he went up into the mountains of Aragon and stayed in Trasmos, actually, for about a year where he was inspired by the history and the landscape and the castle. And he actually wrote about Trasmos. Now, it's in Spanish And I can't understand it. But I've sent you a link in case anybody else can. But apparently his books then relaunched interest in Trasmus and its history. But that was amazing. I mean,
0: I love this little rebellious village so much. (laughs) Me too.
1: I thought as soon as I heard about this, you know, when we we were sharing it initially, I thought, yeah, that is right up our street, isn't it, Dee? We love someone who just says, no. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. just goes from strength to strength that story it's amazing I mean really sad yeah but I just love the underdog fighterly spirit of just yeah. no we're not going to roll over and do what you want like even if it harms us physically and spiritually and personally and financially
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah which... And
1: not just then, not just at the time, but even now, every year, they would still do a great, fuck you. Yes, I know, I love it. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, well, I, want to,
0: I want to see that. I want to see that. If anyone's wondering where Michelle and I are, on July 17th in the future, that's where. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've gone to Aragon. Oh, let me just check if Lola's friended me.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it might take a bit longer she might be busy at the castle giving tours right probably
0: now. probably yeah it's probably work time for her at the museum so yeah. <laughs> oh bless that's so amazing i'm going to try to find some pictures of the festival as well i post them on our social amazing thank you so much i'm glad you enjoyed that, and i'm really excited because we're having you back later on in the season as well Keep an eye out for Michelle. We're going to post all of Michelle's socials in the show notes as well, because she's a fantastic designer. Um, Even if you're not in the market for a designer, follow her to just see amazingly adorable, creepy, cute drawings. Those are my favorite. Your creepy, cute ones, huh? That's what I always make you do for me. (laughs) Like the podcast cover. Sorry. The logo and the cover. All of that is Michelle's work. So if you like that, have a look at her artwork. She's fabulous. So thank you so much, Michelle, and I'll see you in a few weeks. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Thank you. See you later. Bye. We Know the Moon is the official podcast for the Goddess Temple Twickenham. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. You can also visit our website, weknewthemoon.co.uk, for all of our upcoming events and merch. If you sign up for any amount on our Patreon, you'll be able to watch our video recordings of our podcast from season four onwards. With all the raw bits, that usually means more swearing. Thanks for listening.